0: You're listening to The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together, so let's get to it. This week's episode The Pareto Principle, or the 80 20 rule. Hey, Dell, how's it going this week?
1: going well. It's going well. I, I don't have anything exciting. Uh, I, I'm not losing this week, and that's about the most excitement I got to talk about. How about you? What's going on in your life?
0: Things are going pretty well. I decided after my vacation a couple weeks ago, you might remember, I played a lot of golf with my dad and I caught the golf bug. So I finally bit the bullet and I paid for a golf membership. Now, the cool thing is my poker bankroll used to be just kind of like a slush fund. And based on our conversation with CBass last week, I decided to apportion out my bankroll based on a few things. One is my car, two is real estate investment, three is golf membership, and four is eating out. Like I mentioned, you know, let's get sushi, let's get pizza, whatever. And I love what CBass said about if I win, 40% of it goes back into my bankroll and the rest of it gets apportioned out to those buckets. If I lose, all the losses come from my poker bankroll. So I'm putting that into practice and now I have buckets. So I'm really excited to see how quickly I can fill all those buckets and pay for my golf, pay for my car, pay for all that stuff. So I'm loving the fact that we're doing these podcasts. Helps me become a better poker player and a better person. I guess, if that's too much to say.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I have buckets, too. Unfortunately, they all have holes in the bottom of them.
0: <laughs> you have sieves. <laughs> well, I guess that means you have a lot of leaks to plug. This is true, I do. All right. Well, before we get too far off the rails here, we wanted to talk this episode about the Pareto Principle, also known as the 80-20 rule. And I know that you and I both have stories to share about this. And this is gonna be a little bit of a different podcast. We're not really going to offer solutions and problems and tools. Although we will have some tools about life like journaling and attitudes of gratitude, things like that. But we're not really talking about poker theory. This is more about how off the felt and on the felt are deeply connected. So basically the 80-20 rule is a business management process that some guy kind of attributed to this guy Vilfredo Pareto in the 1800s, who was an economist in France. And he made the observation that 80% of problems result in 20% of causes. Also, back then, 80% of the land in France was owned by 20% of the people in business 80 percent of the sales come from 20 percent of the clients now i'm not saying this is a universal law it's kind of a heuristic it's a rule of thumb and i think it's important to mention in terms of poker do you have any experiences from your side about this 80 20 rule either in work or in life
1: yeah um before we get to the poker side of it i do i i think that it bears out i've been a foreman on a lot of the jobs I've been on. And I can tell you that it's always there's always a smaller percentage of people that are getting the majority of the work done. 20% is a nice rule of thumb we throw out there. And and I've used it myself, the 80-20 rule. I'm getting 80% of the work done by 20% of the workforce. I used to think, and it it created a lot of frustration, I used to believe that my purpose as a foreman was to get that other 80% to match the production of that 20% that was being productive. And it's really not. You're going to be extremely frustrated doing that. I know now that what I needed to do was I needed to get that other 80% to finish that 20% that needed to be done. And it's the same in poker, I think, in the sense that when we go into study, everybody tries to take and learn everything at once. But I would argue that 80% of the gains we're going to make playing poker are going to come from 20% of the topics that we can study the leaks we can plug right now that are going to gain us the biggest amount. So when you started, you said, we're not really going to, we're going to talk a lot about life and stuff, but I think it does directly apply to poker also in the sense that there is this topic here that if I study, I'm going to gain so much. And of course, there's this topic over here that if I study, I'm only going to gain a little bit. Well, what's better for me to study? It's that 20% that's going to give me the biggest gains that I want to focus on to begin with. I want to get that down before I start struggling with that other 80% that is gonna gain me a little bit of EV. What's 0.01% of EV for me when I can gain 10% EV over here? So, you know, I think that applies directly to how I feel about it and how I've worked in life about it is that I used to struggle trying, let's get that other 80% to work as hard as that 20%. Never worked. But when I changed my philosophy to how do I motivate that last 80% to finish up the 20%? And I focused more on taking care of that 20% of my workers that were getting the most done. I wanted to make sure I took care of them and kept them happy. Well, it's the same thing with my poker growth. I want to keep that part of me happy that is going to gain me the most.
0: That's a really astute observation. Into something that I learned as managerial economics. If you have a poor performer and a rock star, it is always worth your time to focus on growing the rock star. Because if that rock star were to grow by 10%, that 10% would dwarf the productivity of the poor performer. So it's like trying to squeeze blood from a stone. I'm not saying totally give up on the poor performers, you might need to take a different tact. But you definitely want to focus on the people who, like you mentioned, are the 20% that do the 80% of the lifting. And so when we were talking about this concept of the 80-20 rule, it occurred to me that it applies both in life and in poker. How many times have you heard people getting so frustrated over a bad beat? Okay, I use bad beat in scare quotes. They have their aces cracked. That's like an 80-20 rule right there. 80% of the time, your aces should win. Not 100%, but people think that way. So when their aces get cracked, they get so upset and livid, they go on tilt, their whole poker train goes off the rails. How many times does that happen? So I used to teach my son about this, and it's what I called the happiness gap. It's the gap between what is and what ought to be. And whenever you have a huge disconnect between what is, or at least what you think is, versus what you perceive ought to be... That can cause a lot of dissonance and a lot of frustration. So a few things you can do is either change what is, change what you think ought to be, change your entire mindset about even having oughts, or accept what you can't change. It's like that serenity prayer.
1: I, I, I don't have an exact count. Um, I, I stopped counting at Um uh, 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 <laughs> No, all kidding aside, the, the reality is, is that this is very much one of those things about poker that we've often talked about how we feel that poker is a microcosm of life. Well, life is not fair and neither is poker. There are times you're going to work really, really hard at something. And you're going to get beat by somebody who is clueless and doesn't put the work in, just like in real life. So I think that this whole thing where the problem with fairness is, is fairness is about what ought to be or what we perceive ought to be. If we can learn to accept the reality, when we work real hard, whether it be in life or at poker, all we do is we guarantee ourselves better odds. We don't guarantee ourselves success. We guarantee ourselves better off. And I know that this is gonna this is gonna be hard for some people to take, because I know that I grew up with everybody telling me if I worked hard, that's how you got ahead. Well, no, there's no guarantee of working hard. There's a whole lot more that goes into it. All you do by working hard is increase your odds of success. And you pretty much guarantee your odds of failure are gonna go way up if you're not working hard. So yeah, life's not fair, neither's poker. Take three deep breaths and get over it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that, I like that. One thing, I don't know if this is apocryphal, but I've heard of this thing called the Eisenhower matrix. Apparently President Eisenhower used this two-by-two grid to prioritize his tasks. And when you talk about working hard, you can work hard at the wrong things. And what this Eisenhower matrix is, we can link it in the show notes, but it's simple. Imagine a two-by-two grid. On one axis is important. On the other axis is urgent. So you can figure this out. In one credit, you have things that are important and urgent. In another, you have important but not urgent. These are things that you want to get done. They don't need to be done right now. You can do this later. Like, I need to pay my taxes next year. I have until April 15th. It's important. I don't want the IRS after me, but it's not really urgent. I can put that off a little bit. You also have not important, but urgent. And then you also have not important and not urgent. And the weird thing is a lot of people focus their energies on the not important and either not urgent or urgent tasks because they're easy to do. They're quick hits. You get that dopamine rush. Hey, I just satisfied a task. I just knocked something off my to-do list. I get that little rush of dopamine, but it's of no consequence. The organization doesn't care that you checked your email you know, my wife doesn't care that I loaded the dishwasher. Did I run it? No, but I loaded it. That doesn't matter. The 80-20 rule says that if we focus on the 20% of causes that result in 80% of, well, the results, we should focus our energies on the things that are important and not urgent. And then we can tackle that bucket of work more effectively so we're kind of like marrying both concepts and the fact is that we don't do that as people we like to live in the trivial and the petty and knock out the easy things because like Dumbledore mentioned in Harry Potter there's a difference between what is easy and what is right nice Harry Potter reference I'm gonna
1: bring it back to poker is that you'll get somebody who wants to study GTO and that's great GTO is important but it's not necessarily urgent to their game. I'm going to just make a small correction in that the hierarchy of that is what's important and urgent comes first. What is important and not urgent comes second. Urgent, if I'm correct with that? So yeah, the very most yeah. important thing is that stuff that is important and urgent, let's get that done first. And the most important urgent thing might be stop trying to bluff catch at 1-2 because you don't need to. Do that first, then we'll worry about GTO. And that's where we go. You, you'll notice that, that that's that 20% that'll get you the greatest gains, that 80% gain, as opposed to GTO, which is, I'm not gonna say that it's not useful at lower stakes because it is. It's absolutely useful at lower stakes, but it's not nearly as useful as focusing on sound range construction and playing sound poker. Get there first, and then we'll start talking about learning about game theory optimum and building from there. It's a focus on what is gonna help us the most What's going to get that 80%? What 20% is going to give me that 80% a game?
0: Yeah, we don't need to be the world's best at poker. If we are 20% more proficient than our field, that will set us apart. It almost seems trivial. And maybe it is. But the fact is, I don't think it takes all that much effort to go from decent to markedly better. But you have to focus on the right 20%. So we had mentioned introducing some tools to this because there are tools that we can use to help us apply this in life and in poker. For example, I try not to make the perfect the enemy of the good. If something is good enough, I don't need to squeeze blood out of a stone and try to get that last inkling of goodness. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. And you know, I've done some hand reading exercises on YouTube because frankly, that's been a weakness of mine. And I think if I can just get 20% better, I will make a huge difference. So I've been focusing on that. But another thing is like journaling. Focus on the 20% of things. And I, I bring this up because it's something that I want to do. I've never done this before and I'm interested in trying this out. Journaling. Focus on the 20% of things. That brought you 80% of joy today. I've never thought about it, but pairing attitude of gratitude to the 80 20 rule seems to make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, there's a lot of crap that goes on, and if anybody listens to the mainstream media, you're inundated with bad news because if it bleeds, it leads. That's the whole adage of news. That said, if you only focus on those one, two, three, four things that happened to you today, that really brightened your life, focus on that and you'll probably end up being 80% happier with life. So that's something I'm going to try to do. And another thing that I want to do better is I want to devise a poker study plan that's specifically geared towards that 20% of leaks that I've identified in my game that result in 80% of my losses. For example, last year, and I think Del mentioned this in a previous episode, I had a really big problem calling 3-bets light. Especially at the lower stakes, when I was playing online because of COVID, people would 3-bet and I would call with rather marginal hands. And I would get my butt handed to me because I would either have to fold on the flop or I would lose my stack come the turn in the river. Well, that was an easy fix. Stop doing that. Right there. That's not even 20%. That's like 2%. It took like one brain cell to figure, don't click the call button, stupid. Click fold but it was a huge gain. So those types of things are what I want to put into my poker study plan so that I can get 20% better and be ahead of 80% of my field.
1: As far as tools go, I, I don't know if I really have anything new to add to tools. I, I can tell you this, that I want to mention that BJ and I approach poker very differently. BJ is very mechanically sound and I, I was very much into trying to find next theory. And the problem with that is BJ gets to make money at poker and I get to struggle at poker because I chose the wrong thing to study. I didn't pay attention to that 20% that was going to give me the biggest gains. And, And now I'm focused on that. So I can tell you that one of the things is that I kept having coaches tell me, no, no, this is what you need to focus on. No, no, this is what you need to focus on. And that's one of those tools. You can have coaches. They won't do any good if you don't listen to them. (laughs) You know They won't do any good if you don't listen to them. So that 20% that you've got to take in in study that's going to give you the greatest game, I would argue that one of the biggest tools you can have is players that are better than you, whom you respect, that are friends, that are going to be honest with you and say, well, this is what's wrong with your game. Or if you don't have that, then you better get yourself a coach. And even if it's a Coach, and listen, the money is always worth spending. It's always worth spending. It's not cheap. Maybe you've just got enough to afford a lesson or two just so they can identify this is what you need to study. It's worth it. Short of that, if you've got access to a site that has a lot of active coaches, go to some of these sites and the coaches aren't going to really interact that much with the people there and some of them will. And as far as figuring out what you need to study on your poker game. I don't think there's any better tool than the coaches. The other part of that, I kind of agree with everything that BJ said there. He's talking about a journal, I would call it a happiness journal is what I would call it, but you don't have to have just one journal. I had a poker journal, I stopped doing it. I was gaining much better when I was doing it. And I guess going forward, I probably need to start journaling again. I love the happiness journal, I really do. I think that that's something I might wanna apply to my life too. I think that's all I got.
0: Excellent, we'll link to the show notes for episode seven, which is our conversation with Matt Vaughn about coaching. Because Matt brought up a key point that Dell hinted at. Many times a student will come to a coach thinking they need to work on A, B, and C. And after a conversation with the coach, the coach and the student both realize, oh no, I need to work on G, H, and Q. Completely out of left field. Not what you think you need to work on. And that gets to working on the wrong 20%. And now that Dell's figured out that he was working on the wrong 20%, I'm interested in following Dell's poker journey. You mentioned you're going to post more videos on YouTube, right? About your poker journey? Yeah. Because I want to follow that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to... Well, first of all, I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, Anybody who's watched them, I'm sorry about the quality of them. not a very good at the post-production. Uh, BJ is awesome at it. I'm going to try to get a little better at the videos, and I'm going to try to be a little more regular with them. One of the things I'll tell you is that there's been a lot of reasons not to do it, and they've all been legitimate, but the next one will explain why that's not good enough.
0: Yeah, there's always a difference between a reason and an excuse, so that's interesting. Anyway, I got nothing else to add on this episode. How about you, Dell? Not a thing.
1: I'm happy to end it here.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining me, Dell. and until next week, This is The Blind Stealing the Blinds. Like what you heard? Head over to anchor.fm slash theblindstealingtheblinds to continue the conversation and join us on the socials. While you're there, you can also support the show. One blind per
1: month is all we ask.